Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? I'm feeling really grateful today for education. Oh yeah, why? Well, I've been thinking about ways of coping, like coping mechanisms that people are all putting into place now that we've been put into lockdown. Mm. And I think one of the great things that I've been able to use so far is the idea of education and I don't necessarily mean like traditional education because I know that there's kids all over the country who now have lessons like through computers and are actually Mm. having traditional education in a new way but Mm. I meant more like kind of personal education in the sense of like either reading books or or a kind of thirst for knowledge and the guest we're going to speak to today is somebody that I think has actually educated me a lot through her program at the gallery that she runs. And I've learned so much about lots of different kind of social issues, thanks to the artists that she's given a platform yeah. to and then has gone on to represent. And I'm really grateful for that because I feel like at this time we need ideas more than ever as a way of somehow keeping ourselves encouraged and uplifted and inspired which is also why i'm so 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 happy that we're able to to continue continue the message ideas are needed to continue these the, the stories and the messages that we all need more than ever now definitely yeah so we would like to welcome to this very special quarantine talk art Rosa farkash hi hi how are you today I'm very well, thanks. <laughs> How are you finding it? Are you in lockdown at home? No, I um, came to my grandma's about almost two weeks ago already, so I've been quarantining for a lot longer. I, I just knew that I would get really, really depressed if I was on my own, and I didn't really want her to be on her own either. So, Where are I came, you? Uh, the Midlands, in, the, in oh, a wow. little village called Ropsley. So um, quite glad... I, I think, yeah, I think I, like, maybe came here 10 days after they put the, like, law law lockdown in. So yeah. I'm feeling like that was quite a smart move. And yes. I have to say a little bit um, relieved about yes. that. Um, Are you so able to I work remotely there? everyone in London. Yeah, I am. I am, which is lucky. Um, I'm super privileged in that regard. Um, also, at the moment, it's it's not so much work. It's kind of like action stations of figuring out what support is out there you know for businesses like mine and kind of like strategy of like how we're going to be working moving forward because things are going to change for quite a while I think so the kind of daily work that I would normally do is kind of different at the moment anyway you know so normally your daily work so you run a gallery called Arcadia Missa which you started as a project space in 2011 in Peckham yeah and then it moved to Soho in 2014? No, no, we no. stayed in Peckham for a while, but yeah. it, around the end of 2014, we started to represent artists and changed to uh, be a commercial gallery. I mean, it definitely the first year was more figuring that out or testing it out and then uh-huh. kind of more in earnest halfway through 2015, I guess. But we moved to Soho uh, 2018 yeah so it's and been how was two, that how was years. that move I think it's been really good like actually the like horrible London commute pre-corona times is, I think mm. has been quite good for me getting myself into work mode um mm. but also just you know London's so spread out if you're in the centre 
everyone can get to the centre so to visit and people yeah. that are like international and stopping in in London they can visit whereas a lot of the time if people are coming for London to see art for two three days they're not going to make it down to Peckham so mm-hmm. yeah true. Um, also I think it's good to have a routine isn't it in some sort of sense of um yeah going to work sort of leaving yeah. your home 100 <laughs> percent. yeah it's yeah, good psychologically yeah that's why I've tried to keep a strict routine whilst I'm here and like and doing like a Monday to Friday. You're doing like, like a nine to yeah. five. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no. I'm doing ten till four because you know right. me and my gran have to like uh, have do fun, and... fun stuff. Yes. Yeah, do breakfast and fun stuff in the afternoon together and stuff like that. How so. is she doing? How is she finding? Well, I mean, what does she make of your career? Your your uh, well, the art world? <laughs> I just had to explain to her what a podcast was before this, and yeah. she. Oh, I love her. <laughs> she thought it was incredible so I think you're gonna have one new listener because she does have an uh, yeah she does have an iPad that'd and be she's three like, listeners my mum <laughs> yeah. your granny <laughs> yeah yeah step by step yeah, <laughs> yeah incremental yes, yes yes yeah she's no she she was like because she's got an iPad and um she was like so can I get this on my iPad because I was explaining what apps are on phones because she doesn't have a mobile phone and that everyone mm-hmm. you know and it's kind of like radio but it's maybe what happened to journalism and it became more independent but now even the big radio stations do podcasts blah, blah, blah. she's like can I can, can I do that then on my iPad she's like yeah and then um, brought the iPad over and then she kind of opened it all up and now the world of possibilities are at her fingertips oh that's so, amazing yeah and what does she make in the art world of your world does she ever did she come um, down to, to London and see the shows she has she has she never made it to Peckham rude um, but she did <laughs> but she did make it to Soho and um I think it was basically I just got so lucky because Bill Nighy came to the opening that she came to <gasps> no way yeah so she literally and my mum was there as well <laughs> So, so like, you looked like you were. Legit, I looked like the like, coolest yeah, yeah. person. In the world. <laughs> <laughs> they both, they both like. I mean, I think all three of us were like, "Oh my god, we fancy him so much." Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, Love he's Bill kind Knight. of he, yeah, he's one for all generations. Yeah, you know, he's so good. He's such a good actor. Yeah, he's Love lovely him. as well. And um, so that was. What was the opening? Who was it? Do you know this is really bad? I can't remember. I was just so overwhelmed by Bill Nye. It might have been Phoebe Collins-James, actually. Right. Is he a collector? Um, no, he lives in Soho. Oh, right. Yeah, oh, so yeah, she was, does, like, yes. doing something to the gate or something. Because the, where the gallery is, it's kind of, like, round... You've got to go through a gate on Brewer Street and then round the back, and it's quite hard to find. So it's not like he walked past and was like, oh, what great aunt, let me go mm. and have a look. But Ruth was down there, and I think she was just like, hi, you're Bill Nye. Do you want to come to the opening? Something, <laughs> something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Like, Brilliant. Um, and so that, because because no, no one in my family works in the arts, right? So that's a really good, like, barometer of, like, legitimacy for them. So yes, it was it was the perfect, it was the perfect timing for him to come to the gallery. So I will forever be in his debt because that's quite my interesting. family think I'm Thought. actually, I do have a job. That's quite an interesting thought as well, because if you think about um, when you were in doing the kind of non-profit uh, era of your of your yeah. gallery in Peckham in South London, it was very much about a kind of local community of artists and uh, writers and, you know, creative people in a way that came together. Yeah. So it's, it's, can you talk a bit about that time, but then also how that's now evolving now that you're in Soho, which is obviously a completely different community, yeah. which obviously Bill yeah. Knight is part of. <laughs> Me and my mate Bill. <laughs> BN, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, I mean, the thing, I mean, I will say I'm really glad to be in Soho um, if we ever go back to actually being physically in Soho. But, um, but, you know, the the space is significantly different to where it was in Peckham. Like, it is a tenth of the size, literally a tenth of the size for the same mm-hmm. price. Like, it's really, really small. Mm-hmm. So that and plus a lot of my kind of immediate community or network, you know, things have changed a lot in London. A lot of the artists and writers and stuff have moved to different cities. Um, so I think where... When when Arcadia Missa was a project space, because I guess we were all younger, so we had like less responsibility, more time on our hands, maybe. But also, London was an easier city 
than it is now. A lot of, a lot of us were more living locally to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the space had the capacity to be a place of a kind of informal assembly. And, you know, there they'd kind of, you know, something would maybe happen or, you know, or like there might be kind of like a letter of demands within the artwork about something. And it would be something that we would be like, oh, let's all meet here and like talk about it and have some food. And, you know, so it was there was a lot of kind of just conversation happening outside of the conversation that was part of the public program and stuff, just because of like the community this, was. You yeah. Part of community. Well, yeah. And like a lot of that came from the people that, you know, I was at art school with but also just generally like artists in London basically um and the space could facilitate that and um the the proximity of people actually living near enough to each other within London could facilitate that and then you know a lot a a lot has changed since then people even people that have stayed in London they're they're further away you know Mm. like they're like you know I'm in Peckham someone's in Walthamstow it's it's like Mm -hmm. a lot more spread out Mm -hmm. um because of rent costs um so that plus kind of growing up and Soho being expensive and having you know and it becoming a commercial gallery instead of a project space has meant that I guess a lot of the conversations there may be more formalized in the publications um and that kind of space of talking together is happens a lot less um you know but I think I'm glad that the publications have continued that kind of like self-organized discourse yes if you like and publishing's always been a really uh, sort of major central concern for you hasn't it as well yeah. as doing an exhibition program I feel like that's kind of what I was alluding to in the introduction about education because yeah. I think that's something that was also quite unique to your vision in a way for what for what you wanted to you know contribute and add to the art world in a way yeah, yeah. I think that more and more, like self-publishing with the in the art, in the visual arts, is has increased as kind of the technology and cost and like ability to do it is is easier and cheaper. Um, and like a lot, a lot more artists kind of will you know make their own scenes and stuff. And they've artists have always done this. Um, and I think galleries have always done catalogues. And because there was a project space, and because of these kind of in in kind of informal but really interesting critical conversations that were happening um, because because of wanting to put those... It, yeah, it not being a gallery, it being a project space, the publications kind of were quite natural, but then they continued in a very... Like, in the same structure when the it became a gallery rather than changing then into catalogues um, just because... Um, I don't know, I just like it. Um and yeah I don't really know why it's just I think a really really important part of Arcadia Missa and it's a way also of uh, giving a platform to artists that maybe I don't have the capacity to represent but I also really love their work you know Um, it does a lot it does a lot of things but I think a lot of galleries are doing more alternative publications now Um, I think we just had maybe just had like a system of it like from the start and we had like lots of different th- threads like the journal the anthologies the artist novellas like it's kind of like a quite an active publishing program that can stand alone separate from the gallery as well um, also, rather I than just being like documentation of what we do at the gallery I always found it really interesting as well the kind of um topics that those publications and also your exhibition program would, would would encompass like I feel like you it's very political in some ways but also you know about bringing about social change through creativity and art so you kind of your artists that you're interested in would look at like gender um I don't know like identity politics LGBTQ rights you know all, all kinds of yeah. different issues that that are very specific in a way to I think what your program is if that makes sense yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, if you're going to run your own small gallery, then, like, especially because I did it, the project space straight out of art school, so I never really learned how to run a gallery by working in a gallery before, which would have been a better idea, I think, with hindsight. But anyway, because of that, I think... the the, the <laughs> or, like, or not, the, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons both ways, in it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it's it's one of those things that the it's it is a lot of work and there is 
you know, like you're basically anything you're making, you're putting back into the gallery. So it's like on, you know, I'd be in a much better position if I was working for another gallery, probably, you know. However, the privilege is I can show whatever I want. It's my gallery, you know. Um, and it just happens that, I, just, you know, that these are the things that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't kind of like a, a clear agenda, but it's just, it's out of... Um, just selfishness of well I want to show what I want I'm in this what I'm interested in um and it's just kind of uh happened like that and I think that you know you yeah you can't really compromise on your interests you know unless you're kind of going into it as a business and I think most gallerists aren't (laughs) you know they're they're not um doing like that's not why they start galleries can we talk about the name Arcadia Missa what does that mean? Where does it come from? Who? No. Why? Yes. No. <laughs> You've got to. You've got to admit no, it. I hate you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what does it mean? I can't, it's so embarrassing. Come no. on. No, just like, just leave it as like a, re- it just sounds really cool, right? Cryptic. Just let's... <laughs> it does well, sound okay. <laughs> Why are you embarrassed? Why, embar- why have you never changed because- your name then? Oh, because that's long, isn't it? Like, how can you, how can you actually think up, like, thinking of a name? Oh, God. It, it's literally, oh, God. Come on, come on, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh, I hate you right now. Good. Um, Okay, well, moving on from that then. Um, (laughs) No, she was about to do it, Rob. You was about to tell us. Come on, we need it. Briefly, okay, so Arcadia is obviously this pastoral utopia. Bear, Bear in mind this, the idea of it was very art school. Like, I was at art school, you know. I was, like, young. Well, Tom um, Stoppard wrote Arcadia. Is it based on that? Like, their no, utopian? No, no, okay. no. It's just, it's just that. And Missa is holy mass. And obviously, a staple of art school is, you know, inside the white cube um, and the ideas of kind of the... the, the there is this kind of fallacy of the gallery as being this transcendental space, mm. you know, um so basically it's it's kind of like the, it's it's very it's a very heavy name like it's yeah. like pastoral utopia holy mass like it's extra like very very <laughs> extra <laughs> and and it's and it's and it's also you know when i got the first space it was a railway arch so it really wasn't a white cube and right. it's very much like this idea of like oh so special and i think also that's probably why i have like the history of Arcadia Missy is that there's a lot of kind of discussion and publications and stuff because actually it's this, the, the gallery or the art object, maybe it isn't a magical thing, but maybe the context that can pass through it really is, is of value or something. I don't know. There's still some art objects that I think are magic. So what would you call it now then? If you could, if you were starting now, what would you call it? Jesus. I think it's really hard. Okay. I have this theory. There's three ways of naming a gallery, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's naming it up using your name. Easy. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I'd never do because no one can say my name. So no, there's, (laughs) (laughs) there's, um, uh, doing it off the place, so like the street or the number of the building or you know the name the name of the building or that yes, that one like Herald Street yeah. Gallery for Herald example. Street, Frith Street yeah. or Frith Street Gallery Canal. Yes. exactly yes. so I would that that's that's kind of an easy one that I might that I'd probably go down at this point if I was to yeah. start all over again and make a new gallery um, yeah. and then the third one is inventing your own name and that can go one of two ways it can either sound really cool like Arcadia Missile which now no one's going to think is cool because you made me explain what it bloody means so thanks <laughs> no it's cool cooler, it's cooler. I actually do think it's cool and I, yeah. I think it, it's interesting <laughs> yeah. because because you were doing something different at that time and, and it's still relevant and valid so don't you don't, don't need to feel bad for it oh, because also I, I always thought of Arcadia Missile as being this kind of institutional critique or something as well like like yeah. it was kind of yeah, like creating so a new you were never pursuing the art market before. were you yeah you weren't no, pursuing the art market it, it's always been about was... institutional interest and yeah yeah exactly um, i think we have to the, hold the, on to our, our passions from when we're younger as well because that's also who it's kind of like part of the dna who, us, who we are yeah. and why we are and i don't know I, I i don't think there's anything to be embarrassed about Okay, well, you made me feel better. Thank you. Let's Good. see when we it love goes. You. This is like, like <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's just like, "Why did you tell them?" So um, we've done the history of the gallery. Where, where are we wait, at now? But wait, wait. The, the other oh, problem, yes. the other oh, the problem other with the na- like making up a name is it can be really, really bad. And when we go off recording, I'll tell, I'll give you some examples of it. Of <laughs> the really bad. Okay. <laughs> the scandal. Oh my god, I love it. 
Oh. It's great. So where are we at now, like, for you? What is the art world, art market, institutions looking like now in the current climate? And um, It's crazy. I'm hopeful that things will be all right um, business-wise, but what will... And that's just, you know, I need to stay positive in that sense, but what will fundamentally change is how people are accessing the art they're seeing or they're buying. Like, yes. you know, you're not... Like, how there are going to be restrictions, surely, for a very long time on mass gatherings like I don't know what an art fair is going to look like also Mm -hmm. people are so much more conscious of how much flights they're taking are they going to want to fly around the world to go to an art fair you know um maybe um, we've all been in that in that whatsapp group for galleries yeah um, a few London galleries helped set up and we've all joined it and I've found the responses that people have been discussing like other gallerists saying that actually do we need to do an art fair in September or October or do we need just to um, take a step back and focus on our direct community. Or yeah, and just and just ensure or, that the openings at the gallery are, are like uh, safe, exactly. yep. safe places for people exactly. to go and see art, and, and not also get like a not virus. spending fifty thousand pounds or thirty thousand pounds or yeah. even twenty thousand pounds, yeah. you know, up front on something where you're not even, you know, which is too which much is what you have to put up if you want to do an art fair, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's like gambling. It's literally, it's anyway, literally you know. gambling. It's really crazy and. Like the well, money listeners I might not understand the whole process of that. So when you apply to be part of an art fair, you have to yeah. put up up to 20 grand to 50 grand upwards to spend in on, depending on the size of your uh, booth up front. Yeah, like before in advance the fair, or something, you, don't you? Well, there is, is start, like, I think, like, at one instalment would be, you know, like a good, you know, maybe it could be nine months in advance or something. But totally, you have yeah. to pay, you have to pay before the fair. I mean, maybe a yeah. better model to all the art fair directors out there, I think they're going to hate me for saying this, but like a, a different model could be that all the, all of the sales are run through a system so that you actually know how many sales are happening rather than like people having to have bravado and be like, yeah, yeah, great, made loads of contacts, like, yeah, place work, really good place, blah, blah, but actually running it through the fair and then just taking like a 5% cut of all the sales. Yes, commission. You know? Because... The thing about that that would work is that it means the bigger galleries who are making millions yeah. um, or at least a million, you know, yeah. from a fair or something, they would then be paying a sort of fairer share or something. Yeah. It's quite yeah. democratic, isn't it? It's, it's more, more yeah. democratic. It's not, it's not and it democratic also just takes the gambling all. aspect out of it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, you sell yeah. nothing, you, you pay bad, nothing. Yeah, you have a bad fair and you've got that money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there are people that have said, like, you know, uh, you know, gallery people that have had galleries before that have said to me, you know, like, yeah, we, you know, did Basel and we closed within a year after. You know, it was just There's such a hit. There's been quite a few examples of that, I think, though. You know, of, yeah. of galleries, even with other art fairs, where a gallery finally gets into the art fair, they get yeah. there and you think it's finally your time, and then it's not. Yeah, I mean, I remember totally. when I started working with Carl Friedman and he, for the first year, we just had that kind of financial crash in 2008 and I think it kind yeah. of extended through to 2009. And then I joined maybe 2010 kind of time or 11. Mm. Or whatever. But I remember him still being incredibly cautious and yeah. and he wouldn't do like, you know, five art fairs in a year. We did like one or two. Mm. And people mm. at the time, all the collectors I knew were like, that's such a mistake. Like, why are you doing that? But actually long term, it wasn't a mistake because... I think it'll I think, be like that after this as well. That, that, that's what I think people are starting to yeah. talk about now though, aren't they? They're starting yeah, to say Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. So, in a, so the, the positive spin is that it's going to be a more democratic art world hopefully well i don't know if it will be that right mm, nah. we would like it to be <laughs> we would that's like, like it to our, be you know if we're going back um, to the our arcadia, of arcadia Missa Missa, version exactly that's like <laughs> our, our utopian dream yeah. of what i think maybe be, maybe people really will there, kind of i don't know engage like local with the galleries they have locally mm. then maybe like will drop going to a couple of fairs a year and instead go to a few more openings in the city where well, they live which is nice this, yeah prior to all the internet though a lot of collectors used to be loyal to certain galleries and support their roster, whereas now you have so many that people collect, and I'm a collector, so you collect in a broad bandwidth yeah. of galleries, whereas maybe it'd go back to, like, being really supportive of, you're saying, your local galleries, of, yeah. like, their roster and supporting their artists and supporting their programme and their publishing and everything. If we can go back yeah. to that sort of world, that'd be really fantastic. I mean, I'd love that. I would yeah. love that. I'd cut out some of my travel, you know, save mm-hmm. the planet a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? You know, I think that, I don't know, again, kind of build that local community more. I mean, yeah. it's also it's also not, maybe it's not viable because we're all in touch with everyone all over the world online mm. all the time. 
Um, we'll see. Like also, the the other thing that's happening is the kind of like surge in this idea of viewing online viewing rooms and yes. all of that. How do you but find them yourself? I'm still in the stage of scrambling to try and find out if you know what supports out there. So I can't really think that far ahead to to online viewing rooms. I think what's nice is we're actually gonna like put all of our publications as e-publications from oh, the great. website today. So like that's more our online thing that we're doing at the moment is like, yeah, the content of the publications is more available. Um, right. But the, the, and that's the free or do people like? No. <laughs> no right. Well, that's fine. No. That's fair enough because um, it costs no. to publish them. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, no, it's, it's, but it's not that expensive. And we did, we did metabolize If Able, which is a great um, novella by Clay AD at the start of the week. And that was a pay what you can donation. Um, and that is for the Crip Fund. So um, What's the that was a, that's for that's a fundraiser for helping um, people with disabilities during Corona. So, you know, getting like help for delivering food, for hand sanitizer, oh, wow. for all wow, sorts wow, wow, of stuff. Wow, wow. Um, so that that was our fundraiser um, that we did. And that's great. So you get a bit of culture yeah. and you're helping the world. And you're helping yes. your community. Yeah. And then I think we'll going forward, like as as we do the e-publications, like I think some will be, you know, to maintain gallery income and then we'll see where we are in a few weeks and maybe others will be for other fundraisers. We're not really sure yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the moment, actually, the publications are uh, a form of income that's still happening because the publications manager, she has stock at her house and has can do the online postage thing so right, can still right, right. actually post book the physical books as well as putting these stuff. online ones yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, you, can you can you just say what your website address is because the listeners can then check out your website and see these publications and buy yes them if they yes um it's arcadiamissa.com perfect um, so. and you have a shop don't you actually on the website yeah yeah so there's some editions and there's some books and is it expensive I think other... to publish a book um, well, we do it really cheaply because the design is done in-house, which, and, um, we use a print on demand service. So we'll only print oh, a few so hundred good. at first of an edition of a, like a, yeah, like mm. the first edition. We were like, talking about doing a book, weren't we, with Hannah Quillen and Rosie Hastings? Exactly. Yeah. That, would that be would one be, of these in-house ones. No, that would be much more like with the institutions for the show and much more like a catalogue. Nice. Um, and that would, that, and that's more the traditional mode of publishing where probably like a, like a few thousand would be printed at the start, you mm. know. It's so expensive <laughs> though, isn't it? It can be like tens so of thousands of pounds. so expensive and the way, yeah, and the it's way, crazy. so the way we've done it in this much more DIY publishing uh, arm of the gallery is that, yeah, you do like, you know, you could do the first edition of only a hundred and then when they sell, you print another hundred, you know, yeah, amazing, and, yeah. and do it like that to keep the cost down. Um, but to do a big catalogue like with a museum, that that is a lot more expensive for sure. Talking about um, DIY, um, that's something yes. I really wanted to chat to you a bit about because I constantly get, since we've been doing talk art, more and more mm. and more messages from young artists saying, how do I get my first exhibition? How do I do it? You know, how do I get a museum to see my work or how do I get a collector to want to collect my work you know I'm getting daily messages from artists oh, and gosh, I know yeah. when you're running a gallery you get you get the like yeah. like we get it at Carl Friedman Gallery where you get lots of submissions yeah. even if you have a no submissions policy because yeah. yeah. people are just you know really wanting to be seen which I totally respect yes. and understand but the trouble is we don't always have time to even look after the artists we we have if you know what I mean like yeah to, to then have to look at hundreds of people's artworks on top of it's it it's just, just not possible it's no. impossible time wise or it's just humanly not possible sadly unless yeah. you hired someone full-time just to look at submissions or something but yeah. I've always said to people like connect with your audi- your, your 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 other friends and artists and try and put on shows together and stuff like that yeah and this idea of peer validation is such a kind of key thing for me that Mm. I think has been one of your biggest successes is that instead of wanting the approval of the outside art world you Mm. just wanted the approval of your peers in a way not approval but you wanted to be connected to your peers can you talk a bit about that and how that and the artists that you then took on that were part of that that thing well me and Jesse Darling were in the same year at CSM and Central St Martin's yeah yeah they're amazing and um, you know you trained as an artist right yeah, I studied fine art, um, but like, and got my degree, but from the off, like, immediately got a space and wanted to do that and never made work ever again. 
Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that was at St. Martin's? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was funny because me and Jesse, like, we really weren't very popular, you know? <laughs> like, it's, it, we, it's not like we were in the popular, like, cruise. Um, so it's quite... I don't know. We found each other. We were in the same... Because I was in a 2D pathway and Jesse was in 3D pathway. But then we were in the same historical and theoretical classes and we just... There what was is that? Just You're going to have to explain what that is because I don't know what any of that means. Art theory, but the thing is it kind of... It was only French post-structuralists. Um, it just... And it was like men, like white men, and it was taught by this kind of like middle-aged white man and me and Jesse were just like, oh, this is rubbish, man. Like, yeah. You know, like just complete like whatever about it. And I yeah, mean, rebellion. obviously... <laughs> there's obviously like a lot of a, a lot of great theory in that but it was just very narrow um and yeah jesse is amazing and is one of the kind of only people that like we maintained a friendship after uni and obviously that friendship is also a working relationship um and what's that like has that ever been tested when it comes yeah of to course of course man because like you know it's like Sometimes you're wanting to have a conversation as friends. Sometimes it needs to be just work. Sometimes, you know, emotions like on a kind of interpersonal level come in to the Mm. work conversation, you know, like, of course. Mm. But I think that it's also, it's also means that there's a lot of solidarity in the work relationship, even, you know, Mm. even if it means that it can be like more emotional at times. Um, Mm. And, yeah, there was a couple of other artists in other years at CSM that are part of the roster. Um, and, I mean, the thing of peer-led, like, Hannah Quinlan and Rosie Hastings, the re- they're the youngest artists on my roster. I call them the I toddlers. Love, everybody knows oh, I love. I, I'm their biggest fans. <laughs> I love. I am their biggest, biggest and fans. And if, if listeners haven't heard their episode yet, we've already interviewed it's, them and it was one yes. of the best interviews so we ever did. Cute. I love. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Yes. I mean, yeah. current, they currently have a show up now, which no one's able to see at Focal Point yeah. Gallery in Essex. But it's going to travel to a lot of other places, so hopefully people will be able to see it when it travels. Um, but what does that feel like now for people? I mean, there's so many people that have got shows up that are being hung. and they're, It's and they're, heartbreaking they're for seen. a lot of people, I think. It really is. Um, Penny Goring, one of the artists I work I with. I love we, Penny Goring. She's yeah, on my list of things I wanted to talk amazing. to you about. amazing. Well, she Such we went to Paris and hung the show in masks and gloves oh. and then like in a day and then escape back to London um it, yeah it's heartbreaking but, but what's going to happen is that going to get un- like deinstalled and then just ship back or can they just push the dates on I we, mean we, why we, are people no one can make plans about that now no. um, I don't think people can decide yet can they because it's just it's so complicated as well if, if you think about somewhere like on a big scale if you think about a museum like Tate they've mm. currently got that Warhol show and partly yeah. why they have that show will be Brings to increase in. book sales it will be to uh-huh. increase yeah. you know postcard sales in yeah, their store totally. to increase visitor numbers so that they can keep getting their grants all those kind of things so yeah. they actually have to plan these these shows strategically you know really yeah. on, on a bigger scale it's but very what, different to what but, you but, and what I does, are doing, but does but, it just follow the, the the diaristic dates that were set before Corona, I don't think or... no, like people can't make decisions, but I think a lot, a lot of things will get extended so that there is a chance right. for people to go get to the galleries. Like and maybe we just, just have, have to rethink our pace. You know, yeah. we really yeah. have to rejig everything. Like it's, it's. We need to really think about how much do we really need to be doing. You know, 
like what and what's the cost and the consequences and what are our priorities in what way though what do you mean how much do we need to be doing in what way like do we need to like there's this amazing text by Hito Style called the terror of total design design you know I can't say that word um but anyway she talks about the art world art world's need for presence right and the currency that comes with being at the opening by you know going like talking at the panel like all of this stuff and there is a currency that with that and it's still within a system our art system where the very few are making a really load of money and everyone else a lot of artists are living below the poverty line do you know what i mean so yeah. so if it is creating this currency and still it's not that 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 wealth that's created by presence is not being evenly distributed so and and then even more so it's like Okay, and it's also part of like destroying the planet and spreading a virus everywhere. How much do we need to be doing that? You know, um, mm. so I think that there are not just us thinking about how the business works and all of this stuff of like just surviving. I think that a lot of people are rethinking their priorities, and it's quite nice because you you can can be like, okay, that's a shame. I have to cut this, this, and this, and this fair and that. But like, actually. Oh, what's really good is if I can stay open, keep the business going, I can do this show with this amazing artist. Yeah. And what if I just do four shows a year? Like, okay, that's real change, but at least I get to work with these artists and show this work. You know, yeah. like, yes, oh, oh okay, I haven't travelled around doing this, that, and Pri- the other. Priorities are shifting, basically. Exactly. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it becomes you know. back. It, it comes back to what fundamentally we're all in it for is the art. Yeah, because everything can fall really. Like all these other things that we do and we feel like obliged to do, mm. we realise we don't, and then it means that the things that you you find yourself refusing to let go of mm. are, are, are your core things, and it's like, okay, yeah. You know the we the shows are still going to happen in the gallery. Mm. You know, that's also the I was line. talking to an artist the other day who's uh, been making work for a show. It's not actually a show that's um, you know being postponed currently, but uh, she was saying that. Uh, for her, if it had been her, you know, that had her show postponed, because mm. um, she, she she still might because it was meant to be September. And we've got no idea right yeah. now if that will still happen or not. Yeah. But she was just happy that she'd even made the work because even if it doesn't get seen in September, that work wouldn't have existed if she hadn't been working towards that show. Yeah, and, still and, yeah. and I think what yeah. she was saying is is that in a way, it doesn't matter whether she gets an audience right now because in even in a hundred years, at least she still that made that work exist. because it was actually yeah. quite progressive, incredible part. Of of her work and she's aged probably like early 50s so for her yeah. it's like a time where her she it feels pu- like getting her. excited it pushed her into, pushed her making work. into yeah, doing something new yeah, and I feel yeah. like if you look at Hannah and Rosie I mean that was that's their first institutional show at yeah. focal point and totally. the, the focus and pre- precision of what they've produced and the yes. the incredible work they've made it's like and it was it was worth it just for that do you know what I mean like breadth of things like to, d- to yeah. decide to do a f- exactly like to, oh we've never painted before I know we'll make a fresco like when would they they wouldn't do that in their studio yeah. for fun when like, we interviewed they really them they were just the about occasion. to go and learn exactly, to do rose it. to the occasion yeah they were just they, yeah. when we did our interview they then travelled off straight away afterwards to go and learn how to paint frescoes oh, so cute and then came back it was just like how, how, what so do you amazing. look for in artists how do you find artists and what is your kind of what gets your goat with artists yeah. that you go yes I mean I guess this goes back to the thing you were saying Rob about like actually a lot of people you know kind of saying you know how can I get representation and that stuff and, and like Hannah and Rosie like I was saying they were doing they were doing their own events. So like you were saying, this DIY thing, they were doing at gay bar events, like the parties, yeah. the reading groups in their bed. And like, I really, that's how I came across their work. Like, it's not like, they just graduated from BA. I didn't go to the BA show at Goldsmiths. Like, I didn't pick them up from that. Like, it, because they were, you know, creating their own community and presenting their work to their peers in that way, That that's how I came across their work. And I think totally. that there's that, but the, the the core of it was that there was like a real you could see like an authenticity like they they were doing it because they really w- wanted these were the themes they were interested in this was what the research they were like obsessed with you know and like i think that there's not one type of art that i'm like this is my thing i just yeah. think that if you like why i don't know why we should give so much like if you th- if i think about my politics the idea that i would be uh, give so much kind of uh, 
attention and value to one individual's expression doesn't maybe marry so well. But actually, if what that person is saying is something that a lot of people can identify with or feel, but ultimately is something that they are genuinely saying like if we're going to focus on an individual's expression it has to be a real one like it really has to come from like what they truly are interested in what they truly believe what they you know they truly want to say and like what they just happen to make like it can't be contrived Mm. and I've done a lot of teaching in art schools and I and like you know there 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 are some people that aren't you know overthinking it too much of like oh you know maybe I should do this or I should be talking about that or I should be making that they're like they are you know it can be conceptual art and there's a load of research it they can be makers but it's something that is extremely honest and because they just have to do it they want to do it and that's that and that's why I can care about what an individual's saying you know because it's authentic um so that really I guess is the main thing you definitely have a roster of very distinct voices if you think of like Raber Maybury or uh, Penny Goring, as you mentioned earlier, Amalia, Amalia yeah, Ullman. Yeah. Like you have these very uh, strong voices that that have a you know to take a stance, I guess. But it's their stance; it's their reality. Yeah, but I, th- I think those identity. people will bring about social change as well. It's, it's yeah. a great. Yeah, thing, so. shall I? Shall I? Well, because cause of Penny, you know, because Penny's show never even had an opening, never had even a day of public open. Her show at Campoli Presti in Paris. Everyone should look at it, but. Um, Shall I read the poem that's the press release yes. that she Hell wrote? Yes. yes, It's Hell so yes. good. And I right. loved Penny Goring's show in, in... Didn't you do it in Peckham? Focus. You did it in yeah. Focus as well, didn't you? Yeah, because I came to yeah. see that show. Yeah. And I loved, loved, loved that show. So yeah, so she's so good. I won't be able to read it as well as she can read her poems, but I'll give it a go. <clears throat> okay. Two lovers escape from Bloodcastle. There is no escape from Bloodcastle. No escape from confinement or control or eternity, opium, poison, or, or, or lucky in an unlucky way. Thrill to the blah, 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 anything. Look to the stars and the mud. Try disappearing. Pray to be rescued or profoundly forgotten or, or, or groveling for the very slim chance. Crawl into ruined old age. Confess petty crimes in the garden. Bolt for your freedom while limping or run with your broken heart thumping, or, or, or sharp pointy sticks in your eyes. The mechanisms of safety are weaponized. Every process designed to do harm, no secret corners to huddle, or failing to cope, or extreme naked yoga, or, or, or laughing in an unlucky way, upside down, kissing your fingers, plague bones. It hasn't been fun for ages. Your face on swarm girl, kitchen sinking, Red hand, red hand, grey sky, meets your ankles. We break your legs and carry you to the block on a very ornate chair. A very ornate chair stuffed with saint's hair and your fingernails because you asked for it, because the crowd wants it, because it was decreed in our walls. The ghost of scratching Susan told us her lies are the greatest. This is what she says. Blah, 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 anything. My poor darling, anything. Storm fruit, panic cell, blossom bitch, blood show, ghost tourist, devil scammer, fibbing driver, knife buzz, hip flask, bigger bijou, mercy fucker, bag bird, golden bollocks, future bacon, abstract gamble, caps lock, darker matter, deeper lotion, toxic circus, death toll, see-through nylon, disco stripper, fever flowers, bomb drop, Bloody castle, dolly motion, sugar window, clock stop, blah, 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 anything, poison on your tongue. How good is that? Oh, my oh, God. Amazing. Isn't she incredible? Yeah, She's you, re- you read that amazing. very well. You read that so well. <laughs> you were, do you know what it makes me think of is Sarah Kane, who was a playwright who... Uh, took her own life years and years ago, but she's been at the Royal Court. She was like discovered there and did these incredible plays like Crave and um, Blast, and they're really and like Edward Bond as well. It makes me think of. Do you know these playwrights that are very no, social? I'm not a I don't know. Good playwrighty kind of, person, I'm oh, afraid. Right. Well, me that's too, my theatre yeah. thing. Then, if you look them yeah, up, yeah, I'm going to read, look them up. read Sarah Kane because I'm this, do the, it. the parallels between her poetry and Sarah Kane's writing is like. That is, it just brings me straight back to that. It's very oh, visceral and very yeah. raw and uh, scary in some ways. Yeah. Things that are being said, you're like, oh, it's it's kind of delving into the 
depths of humanity, the, yeah. the dark side of humanity, the underbelly, totally. but we all, and our own fears. Wow, that was amazing. Yeah. I you also should, just you think... should hear, like, imagine Penny reading it, man, though. Like, yeah. seriously, so good. Everyone How did you find her work? Penny is incredible. You've got to talk to Penny. She's yeah. literally, like... She British? Um, yeah, yeah. She lives in um, Surbiton, so she's, like, still London, essentially. Um, I first saw her work with you in, in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it Switzerland? I think so. Listen, well, no, we did... It was, no, no, it must have, not, no, it must have been Peckham. It was in somebody's... Oh, in Harry, Harry Burke's group show at Salts. Yes. Yes, yeah. That, that was Switzerland, wasn't it? Basel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was but the group show at Salts. Because I remember you, you were there at the opening and yeah, I saw exactly. some little drawings and you were like, yeah, you were going to love her. And then that's why mm. I got into it. And then I came to your show later in Peckham. Yes, exactly. She's incredible. Like, I was... I was Obviously, because we do publishing, I was following a lot of, like, old lit writers online and stuff in, I don't know, 2012 or whatever. Exactly, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, um, she what does alt lit stand for? Well, it's kind of problematic now because it turned out a lot of these alt lit poets were, you know, basically very Me Too-ish and gross. And so the whole scene kind of collapsed because of that. But there was a whole online community of poets um and it just means yeah, alternative just, literature it means yeah it means alternative right. literature and she was posting a lot of image macros and poetry online and just was so i knew her through kind of, i guess like social networks that that were like that were intersecting with all this old lit stuff and she was posting a lot of stuff on this website that now doesn't work called new hive which right. is really i can send you like we managed to screen record some of this website. So it's all like GIFs and videos and like, I don't know, you're clicking through and that's how you're accessing the poetry, but it's also very visual. Like anyway, she's incredible. And so I just thought all of these old lit poets were kind of like, I don't know, some of them were teenagers, you know, they're young. So I assumed that because also her stuff was like so raw, so fresh, so amazing. Like I just assumed, yeah, that she, she was, was a millennial. Yeah. Yeah. And actually she, you know, she, her and her and my mum were born in the same year. Like oh, really? she's, the, uh, there's an amazing self-portrait she's done of like in like 2008 of herself. as like Ziggy Stardust. Like she's like, oh, wow. she's lived through so many decades, but yeah. actually like everything she does is just timeless, but also of the moment, um, yeah. which is another good, if a good artist is always that, you know, always timeless, but still always contemporary or something like that, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was through her poetry. And then me and Julia Smith and Alice Brooke did this kind of curatorial project across the showroom in the ICA called Rematerializing Feminism. And it was a response to a lot of the kind of like, uh, this was in 2014, like kind of popularization of feminism, or like internet feminisms or those kind of words, but putting it through uh, like... Marxist materialist discourse to see if maybe like actually if we talk about things in terms of like the structure of capitalism or labor that's a way to have intersectional conversations uh you know feminist ones but identity politics in general Mm -hmm. and we showed a video of pennies and then from there that's how I really got to know her as an artist so at first I really knew her as a poet but then getting to know her through that and then yeah she's just I mean everything she makes is incredible like I've never like it's going to her place and seeing you know there's years of sketchbooks like it's she's just phenomenal mm-hmm. um so everyone needs to check her out what is um identity politics we're we talking about that oh, that, that is like talking about colour <laughs> queerness if you're like your gender your rights oh it's it's, it's actually kind of annoying it's a kind of an annoying term Actually, but in a, in a nutshell, identity politics is about what it nutshell, is to be human nutsh- and how are the gaze of everybody's gazes on you. Yeah, it's. It, I guess it's like to be othered and kind of like how you exist in the world because of how you are read by others or by society at large, I guess. Right. But it is, it, it can be problematic in, and I guess especially curatorially used as a way to... Uh, ghettoize artists or to put the artists at the forefront in front of the work and not allow the work to s- kind of stand on its own. Got it. Um, so it's 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 tricky and um, 
It's grouping yeah. artists into certain things like artists of colour or queer artists or female artists. Is it that sort of thing? Yes, and that's why it can be problematic because you can have someone making completely different work and just because, you know, yeah. they're, they're queer. They're female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What they're, put, they're put into a show and it's like, and maybe there's not actually like any connection between the practices, you know. Um, yeah. But it, it can be done well, but it can be done badly. So It's a loose it's, linear, um, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think Hannah Black's text called, um, what's it called? The Identity Artist and the Identity Critic is a really good critique of identity politics and how it's kind of operates or, or is maybe, maybe exploited within a, the, the art world, I guess. Um, um, because it's also, it can be used as a really good uh, way of organising, a really good kind of way, uh, like, to self-organise, you know, for struggle and to to connect with other oppressed groups. Or it can yeah. also be too, like, it can hold hold one back or, yeah. Mm. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's a it tricky time It helps you to rally in moment. some ways. But yes, exactly. Yeah. But it can... Rally the troops, yeah. Yeah. You can also end up ghettoised by, by being grouped, mm. you know? Okay, um, so nice question. You mm-hmm. could have any artist and you could put a show on in your gallery in the world, historical, dead or alive, you know, <laughs> the estate of or someone now. Who would it be? Um, this, is, this is the worst question um, obviously, all the artists I represent, for one. Yes, but you've, you've given them all a show. You've given every single one of them a show, amazing blockbuster show. They've just been bought by every institution in the world. And then you have a space at the end of the year where you have two months where you can choose any artist you want ever. Oh, and you could do a show. What would it be? Should I just tell you what I've been looking at yes, a please. lot at the moment that is outside of what I would normally show because it's old, if you get yeah. what I mean. Got it. I've been looking at Ithil Kolkahoon. She was a painter, poet, uh, surrealist. Um, it's just, it's just a, basically a new female surrealist artist that I didn't know about until, I don't know, last year. Is she French? What, where's no, her name British, like? British. British? Um, yeah. So, How so you spell it? I-T-H-E-L-L and then... Sorry, start again? I-T-H-E-L-L and then her surname yeah. is... C O L Q U H O U N. Oh wow, these are beautiful. Aren't they incredible? So, what, so where, was, was she ignored, or was she known and disappeared, or I think what was, was her story? I, mean, I think just like most female artists, she'd probably be more well known if she was a man, basically. That's going to be my drag name. That's my drag name going well, forward. So, everyone would be like, well, welcome to the stage. Maybe it's Ethel as well. I love Ithel. her. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, I'm so glad up. you mentioned this. And she died in 1988. Yeah, so that's actually. Quite recent. Quite recent. Yeah. So why could you not? Why could you not show her work? Because you're. No, I probably it. could. I mean, I probably could. But there's so many artists I'd love to show. Like this, even like young artists. Like this is the thing of you know, of it having to be a business or how much human time is possible. Like there's you don't have enough time to show all the artists you want. And that's like I said earlier, why it's great that there's publications because at least there's a little bit of a platform for other artists that I don't represent as well. But like there's so many good artists. Like it, and it's it is it's hard because there's. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like I don't. Do you have think we're in a good to... good time for in like emerging artists at the moment in, in Britain, yeah. especially UK. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I th- Rini Rini Matic Matic. Yes. she's great, and all the degree all the degree shows are getting cancelled, right? So right. I know they're going, we've been getting well, emails. They're trying to do virtual it's, ones, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, so she was supposed to be. Well, she still will be graduating. I'm guessing from CSM, but she is like so leaps and bounds ahead of where most art students are like in terms of their practice when they're finishing uh school so she's definitely someone that I was excited I don't normally go to BA shows but I was really excited to see her BA show um good tip yeah. hot tip so going hot, going on yeah. to our normal uh t- traditional talk art questions um oh, if you she's could already asked me such hike. a nightmare <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you could do an art heist and take home any art, artwork, mm. uh, what would you steal? So this one I actually did think out about before and mm. I realised that 
I don't know why, because there are a lot of makers that are thinkers as well, but your brain kind of sees, you know, you see some artists like, you know, thinking art and some artists kind of making art. And when you think of something you want to steal, you're kind of thinking of owning something and you're going and like, I was going more towards like, yeah, like painting basically, which is weird because, you know, I show a lot of video and all of that. It was kind of, I was like, oh, like we, it's still inbuilt in me kind of like I would want to own painting. So I thought, okay, I'm not going to go for it. Cause also how can you choose? There's so many like famous paintings that you'd steal. Yeah. And then I just thought, actually, I'm just going to do a shout out to a Hungarian performance artist because there probably won't be many Hungarian artists mentioned. So I thought I'd shout out Katalin Ladik. Awesome. <laughs> so she does, she did some like really cool, screamy performance art in the 60s and 70s. And I and, love that stuff. Uh, and the other thing is, is that you can't, can't really own performance art like that she does obviously there's there's photography of hers like documentation but I just kind of thought also at that time like when you would you you can't really like I wonder what it would be like the audience is so integral to performance art now like the play or like the, like the play with the audience or the knowledge of the gaze of the audience like with someone like Arne Imhoff or something it works so well within the performance Whereas mm-hmm. in the 60s and the 70s, like, performance art was really in its infancy. So I do wonder kind of what it actually felt like seeing that without the structure of, you know, the gallery and you're the audience and this is how you view performance art. So it'd be kind of cool to be able to own that. But the ownership of mm. a performance by Catalan and Laddick would be to actually yeah. have been able to be there. Amazing. Do you know what I mean? Well, you know that Sadie yeah, Coles chose Love Gilbert that. and George's The Singing Sculpture. That was one of her, like, art heists. That yeah. was like uh, to experience that, to have that to yourself, yeah. your own little yeah. kind of thing would be amazing. And also, yeah. we, we spoke to Rufus Wainwright, the musician, last night um, uh-huh. for this series, and he mentioned having met Jack Smith, who was the kind of pioneer in New York of performance art. Um, and it, we were talking about that idea that a lot of people might not even know Jack Smith because there is yeah. no, you know, the, the the work that is left over isn't isn't you know the performances aren't there anymore. yeah so it's they're not unless there. they're really well documented at the time it's a really interesting yeah thing. there's a lot that's of cool a... feck work that was lost as well wasn't there oh, I love yeah, yeah, in yeah. That... oh i know but that's about what you're saying now about like the 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 narrative of actually being present at these things mm. rather than just yeah. being recorded and cinema is what it is to experience art is yeah what it is yeah to be. That, that currency of actually being there and feeling yeah. that room yeah, so I mean, that's why, you know, the online viewing rooms, they're never going to be a proper stand-in for an exhibition, you know. It did um, make me laugh, you know, somebody did a meme on Instagram that was like, has no one actually worked out that online viewing rooms are actually just websites? <laughs> I know! And now you've got a username and a password given to you that makes you feel <laughs> special and then you might spend money because of it. I mean, it is, it is kind of ridiculous on that I level, know. but at the same time, I, think that's I guess why we've, we've got to do focusing something. Our, yeah, of course. And like, you know, it's also for the artists, like you've had these plans of like totally. giving them a show, giving them a platform and then, and then you can't. Like you want to do whatever you can, you can. to be able to promote the yeah. work. Um, but and I mean, actually, because you're, you're of somebody this... who's who's worked with artists who are like digital in digital culture anyway, like yeah. for a long time or, or, you know, using the internet. That's why it's or... so sad that the new Hive website doesn't work anymore with all Penny's like, you know, amazing right, right. poetries and stuff like that. Mm. There are just poetries, lol. Um, but there are, there are so many. It's <laughs> <laughs> plural, there's a book. lot. Yeah, yeah. Poetries. You know. Poetries. <laughs> the answers. Mm. Um, no, but there's just, there were, there, there are other, there are artists that could really use online platforms and make something that like is a really, really engaging experience. But I think for now, everyone's just trying to be like, okay, what is, what's our stand in for the show or the fair we had planned. And yeah. because it is essentially a website and we like have images on the website and stuff. And I'm just trying to scramble around to figure, figure out a whole bunch of other shit right now. Like mm. that, I think that's why we just prioritize. Okay. Let's just try and make as many of the publications, e-publications as quickly as possible, you mm. know, and then yeah. we're going to have a real look and a think and look at all the different online viewing rooms and kind of see if it's worth it once that's calmed down a bit. But I think the, you know, the immediate thing of like, you're reading, if you're reading a book and you're reading a book on a tablet or a physical book, the, the difference is a lot smaller to an exhibition in a gallery and an online viewing room. Online so viewing at least rooms, like yeah. doing the books immediately, we're like, yeah, EPUBs are great. You, you're, you're experiencing the content 
because you're reading it, great, do it. Mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. let's make them as quickly as possible. And hopefully yeah. people listening to this actually have more time to read as well. So Yeah, and they should definitely go and check out the That's website. That's also good. Read Yay this, for yeah. podcasts. So, Rojda, what is your, uh, the other hard-hitting talk art question, yeah. what is your favourite <laughs> colour and why? My favourite colour is, well, I've got two. My fav- and also, you know how on this, like, the artists are so good, they're like, oh, this soft kind of, and they mm. do almost describe a texture and a really specific colour. I, <laughs> I don't have that. Um, my favourite colour is purple because it was my favourite colour as a kid and I only used to wear purple and it's that kind of, like, you know, Collie Street or Roses, that kind of purple, like proper <laughs> yeah. purple. That was always my favourite chocolate. Oh that my God. chocolate, he's got hazelnut in it, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This yeah, Cadbury Dairy Milk purple, because mm-hmm. I always used to wear purple and my aunt would call me Purple Princess. However, you've oh. got to also give Red a shout out, because like, Say that again. Red. Your, your aunt, again. Your aunt used purple to Purple Princess. She called me Purple Princess because I refused to wear any other colour for about two years. Um, so I really, I've purple has been like purple is like number one color for a long time. <laughs> then the other color you said was uh, the other color. You've got to give red a shout out because it's the, just great. And my favorite red is postbox red, or like actually maybe slightly more orangey than postbox red. Like so bright, 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 bright. Cadbury's love, purple um... and postbox red, very <laughs> yeah. solid, love... very like I they love know those themselves two colors together. Yeah. If you have yeah, red and exactly. purple, like that kind of red with, with purple. That's me. Like, that's me in 50 together. years, you know. I'm going to be <laughs> in all those two colours constantly. I'm going to have like 27 animals, probably like growing all sorts in my back garden. Like that's, that's I can see my future Is now. that a euphemism or is that... Uh, no. <laughs> 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 oh, I just maybe oh, I'll just dear. start this this fashion this look now. Like I've got time to start Pur- researching all my purple back. and red. Yeah. <laughs> so we got one more question. That, that'll be the look that you're remembered for as well. Because exactly. like, oh, you know what I mean. That that'll be <laughs> the crazy the old lady in purple, purple and purple red. Pillarbox. You're going to be like an inspiration. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Legend. Royal Mail. Um, so we've got the last question we ask is yeah. what have you found out is your hidden lockdown talent? This is a quarantine um, special question. Nothing, man. I'm, I'm just, I don't have any I think it sounds like talent. you've been too busy having to like negotiate. I've just been freaking out things. and yeah, trying to yeah. basically trying to find information that the government hasn't given the details of yet and on the phone constantly to the council and. Like, so my hidden talent, um, my hidden talent is like maybe managing to, yeah, well, to keep doing that in the face yeah. of responding like to a crisis despair. Calmly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what about teaching um, technology to the older generations? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Bringing podcasts to the OAPs of Ropsley. There yes, bringing bringing the OAPs to talk art. That's what. So yeah, that's my talent. With, I'm so happy you're with your grandma because oh um, my god, so many I'm young so people happy. at the moment aren't able to be with their families because they were too late in getting to them. So yeah, I know, so and it was so really funny. Early. Like I got there really, I went really early, and also I spent like like over a week like refusing to be in the same room as her and like self isolating stuff and being really oh, extra. Well, and now, I, now so like brilliant. yeah, but now it's calmed down and it's like okay, we're actually like. She's on one sofa. I'm on the other. We're watching telly together. It's so nice. I'm so oh. relieved. I'd be. I'd be. I feel so sorry for everyone that's having to quarantine on their own. Like it. Yeah, that's It me. must Hi. be so brutal. Oh, I'm <laughs> yeah. so Luckily, sorry. I, the thing. The thing about this is for me is that I'm totally fine because I live alone anyway. And it's like um, yeah. having talk art yeah. and getting these conversations is keeping me. And encouraged. you're you're bang on Instagram live at the minute, Rob. Every ten minutes. Well, I, I was yeah, for the first few days. <laughs> But there was this really great article today that some friends sent us in The Guardian about someone, a writer in Italy, about what the experience has been for her. And it's a letter to kind of people in England. And um, a few of our friends were crying um, reading it today. But um, I, I, yeah, Russ actually had a tear. I didn't want to say it was him, but he he did have a tear. Um, It's really wonderfully simple. I don't mind admitting I'm emotional. No, 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 I know. You're an incredibly emotional being. Yeah. And we're doing things like baking tonight. So all of our friends are going to bake cookies. And our friend yeah. Sarah Hadlin, who's an actor and a very funny human being, she's Former like guest. guiding all of us. So I've been going mm. through all my cupboards trying to find, you know, find ingredients for baking ingredients. cookies. But like, yeah. I'm loving that. So I don't feel alone at all. I'm That's so good. lucky to have amazing we're busy, friends. We're busier more than ever. It's yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. Especially now. And well, I, yeah, well, like today, like today when you were like... 
no problem thanks for having me but like when you emailed and you're like can you do 11 on Saturday and I was like well no because I actually have Lisa Bangs is doing her online fitness and yeah. so actually I'm busy at that time like we are we're still busy <laughs> you know? I've, just, um, I've just had a yoga mat delivered as well which I've never had oh I need to I've do that literally I was doing this hit thing, class this morning on the carpet and my like is, mm. I'm, my hands are raw so I need one well I those. tried I tried to do some online yoga on, on like yeah. a rug and ended up just like burning my skin so I was like okay I have to get a yoga mat I've always resisted having a yoga mat I think for some weird reason I know now you're now you're one of those people world but Rosia quick fire question best thing about being a dealer oh getting to work with artists the worst thing about being a dealer having to work with artists no I'm joking (laughs) (laughs) let's leave it at that that's genius Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we love oh, you. Thank you so much for coming me. on. Lots that of love. Awesome. And, uh, Stay in We'll be uh, yes, posting images on our Instagram at TalkArt of all the artists we've mentioned today. And please visit ArcadiaMissa.com and check out the and incredible at publications Arcadia Missa and on e-books. Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Speak Wonderful. soon, guys. Stay See safe. You soon. Lots, Lots of love. love. Lots Bye. of love. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at TalkArt, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com